right now it's 8 a.m for you or something like that 7 a.m 8 a.m it is 8 a.m yeah yeah <laughs> it's uh yeah getting up so early in the morning i appreciate that i did that with heavy eyed uh you know maybe a year or two ago uh, when i started doing this and i think he was uh same time zone same same city i think you said same town as heavy eyed so um mitch heavy eyed he yep. currently lives in new zealand so he's actually i think an hour or two hours ahead um i think it's an hour ahead um, of me right now. I'm on the uh, east. I'm in Sydney, which is the east coast of Australia. Um, but originally, I'm from the Gold Coast, uh, which is just just north into Queensland. And um, Mitch was also from the Gold Coast. I hope he doesn't mind me saying this. Um, <laughs> I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure he's had it in public before. Uh, but yeah, we we both uh, grew up in the same city. We didn't know each other, but. Um, uh, he was a bit, a, a little bit in the south, and um, I was kind of in the middle. But uh, yeah, it turns out that we we grew up in the same city. It's a it's a decent sized city. It's like, uh, it's under a million, but you know, it's a couple of hundred thousand people. Okay, and that's the thing that's near Brisbane, uh, the Gold Coast. So Brisbane, uh, yeah, it's like an hour south of. Brisbane. It's like right on the border of Queensland and New South Wales. Like the the border kind of like runs through the city and you'd like have half of it on the New South Wales side and half of it on the Queensland side. Oh, Not okay. half. It's it's like Tweed City is just like below it. So yeah. Oh cool. And and kind of looking at it, at it through Google Maps right now and uh mm. the, the geography looks pretty interesting. There's lots of uh, little rivers and um canals and stuff it seems or from what I can tell on Google Maps. Yeah, so I believe this is what they they tell us, but um, the Gold Coast has more canals than Venice, <laughs> okay. um, which is kind of crazy. Uh, yeah. But they don't use them at all. Like my one biggest wish is that they would just like you know go sort of Venice and and have all these like. Um, <clears throat> sorry, I'm getting over a sickness. Um, that they would have all these canals and, and boats and stuff that you could just get around in, but they never used it. Um, but yeah, it's um, it is interesting. I, I love what I do love about the city is that um, you do have like the beach right there, and the beaches are very famous and um, for being beautiful and like great surf and stuff. Mm-hmm. But then you go like fifteen minutes inland, and it's like this beautiful hinterland um, of just like um, rainforests. Um, and then the, the Gold Coast is just this skinny, long um, city that goes like for an hour north and south, but it's like. 20 minutes deep um, from yeah. the coast so um but it's totally different and it's it's really cool like that you get both best of both worlds must have been a pretty gorgeous place to grow up uh, somewhere like that it it was a really lovely place to grow up um it's a very touristy city um so you it's it is, and it's a very transient city so people don't stay there for very long they come and mm. go um but i was there for like almost 30 years um, and I was like, oh, no, I, I need something that's more of a city. I need a bigger city. I need something where there's always things going on and, um, where the culture is a little bit more me. The Gold Coast culture is just, it's surfing and it's brunch and it's clubs, lots and lots of like <laughs> nightclubs. And like, this isn't me. Um, so, uh, last year I moved to Sydney Um, Mm -hmm. and I've loved it. It hasn't been the experience I was expecting in Sydney with uh, COVID and everything, but, um, yeah, I love it here. 
That's great. And are you finding your musical tastes are more satisfied in Sydney? Are you able to, say, get out into just more musical ventures while you're down there in that city compared to the Gold Coast? Oh, um, that was one of the reasons why I did want to move is that there's just, again, so much more going on and a lot of shows going on. Um, I On the Gold Coast, there was nothing ever on the Gold Coast. It was very rare that I went to a show that was on the Gold Coast because I'm not very involved in the local scene. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd had to go up to Brisbane, which was about uh, an hour by car or by train. Um, and that was fine, but it was just an inconvenience. Um, so moving into Sydney, I'm like uh, 30 minutes into the city, even closer to the inner west. I'm basically the inner west, which is where all the um, sort of cultural stuff happens. And uh, But I only got to use it like once before uh, kind of COVID struck. Um, and I went and saw Carly Rae Jepsen, which was amazing. And I loved it. Um, <laughs> so at least I got one experience in before I went, but... And how is the the lockdown treating you in in Sydney? Is it are you allowed to leave your house and stuff right now, or is it uh, pretty you know a bit more open? Yeah, Australia's been really good. Um, we uh, well, I say that we are currently in the midst of our second wave, and it's much worse than the first. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes. But uh, to be honest, Australia is very strict in general with quarantine. If you've ever come to Australia, um, you know that like you ha- you must go through quarantine. You must declare stuff. Um, mm. We're very terrified of things crossing our border and infecting Australia. Fruits and vegetables um, and species of birds, that kind of thing. Precisely, yeah. yeah. Um, and the couple of things that we have introduced have just, like, ruined the ecosystem. Cats, I think. That's um, one of them. Cats, <laughs> yeah. Cane toads is the big one up in Queensland. Oh, like in um, The Simpsons. Like in The Simpsons, exactly, yeah. Um, yeah, we, we literally, we brought cane toads over in order to, um, there was this like cane beetle that would eat all the sugar cane and we're like, oh, we'll just get this like, this toad that eats the, um, that eats the beetle and mm-hmm. then they just like got out of hand and um, <laughs> now it's ridiculous. Um, and rabbits was the other one as well. Oh, but um, okay. but uh, what was I talking about? Quarantine. COVID, yeah. Um, yeah, so we're, we're usually like, we're really onto this sort of stuff usually, um, which means our response was actually pretty decent, uh, the, from the, from a government sort of level. Um, the problem is, is the public and getting the public on board and that sort of stuff and not interrupting our life. And the government haven't been like terribly good at like shutting down the economy, um, which like fair, but, um, basically, uh, Sid, like we were we we were bad for a, for a month or two and then it kind of like petered out um but then melbourne uh kind of had this outbreak and now we're getting um much worse as a country than we ever have but it's mainly concentrated in melbourne or victoria um and uh sydney we've had like little clusters little outbreaks mm-hmm. um and so i feel like at any point it could kind of just explode Um, like it has in Melbourne, but, um, we're doing okay for the time being. It's like here in Sydney, it's like 15 cases a day or something in Melbourne. It's like four or 500. Oh, okay. And then everywhere else it's like one or two. Yeah. Oh, well, hopefully if they, they clamp down on it sooner rather than later, but then again, I don't know how they can avoid it spreading again as soon as people start flying and moving to different countries. It seems inevitable in some regards. 
oh yeah, that's not going to happen until we have a vaccine, yeah. um, which is like 2021. Our big um, airline has said they're not even operating until like July 2021 for international. So, yeah, it's, uh, I work in a, a travel agency myself, uh, so um, oh. dealing with uh, <laughs> this kind of stuff, cancellations, refunds, you know, that's that kind of thing is what I do all day. And all the airlines, are, a lot of the smaller airlines are going bust. Um, or some pretty big South American airlines as well, uh, slowly but surely. Um, yeah. Are, are you still working through this? Like, do you still have to be like cancelling things for people or like organizing some sort of like people getting back or? or... Yeah. So as a travel agency, um, we we're kind of tied to the rules that the airline set for their tickets. Mm. So we can only action things to what the airline allows us to. We can't go outside of what they say uh, is refundable, isn't refundable. Um, right now we've cleared a large section of um, cancellation requests that were coming in. Uh, so when you have an airline ticket, one of the most important things to do is if you want to make a change to it or a cancellation or something like that is to get it done before the scheduled departure that you have because um, yes. that way you can remove the segments that you have uh, the tickets remains in open status and then you can kind of do what you need to do on the ticket so when we have hundreds of thousands of requests coming in all at once our main job was to okay cancel the segments keep them in open status and then we can go through them and see what we can do if it's a refund or if it's a credit or that kind of thing um, so that backlog as we called it is pretty much done now uh, thankfully oh, great um, which is very good. The problem with being a travel agency is not all airlines act the same way in the booking system. So if you if you mm. work for WestJet, for example, you can pretty much automate everything very, very quickly because um, everything's the same in your system. But when you work for a travel agency, you got WestJet, Air Canada, British Airways, uh, some small South American carrier, and they all do things slightly differently. <laughs> so it's been a bit of a, a bit of a task to get it all automated, but we're almost done and things are looking up very much. Um, it's good. Yeah, it's, it's looking a bit better, I would say. Wonderful. I um I work in retail, and uh, there's a, a travel agency right next to me, and they just stayed open the entire time. And I'm like, what are they doing? <laughs> no one's coming in. No, no one's going there. <laughs> I think there was a drop from. I'm trying to remember the data that we saw. Um, it's off the top of my head. There was something like a seventy percent drop in air travel during the period yeah. of COVID. Although the recovery is looking good. It's looking more V-shaped and um, uh, oh, nice. petering off as a recovery. So it's looking like it's a big bounce back, especially for domestic travel. International is still subdued, uh, but domestic yeah. is, is picking up. And we'll I'm actually going to... Yeah, it is, yeah. Um, as it stands right now, uh, I'm going to be heading back to the UK in, at the end of August. Right now I'm in Canada and my visa expires oh. at the end of August. So as soon as I get to the UK, I've got to self-isolate for two weeks. Um, yeah, which, good good luck with that. Like just the whole getting over and then like having to isolate and start a new life. Like it's a bad time to be heading back. That's stressful. Yeah, it's not the greatest, uh, but luckily I can just move straight back into to home. I can work remotely mm. for this job. I can keep working. Um, I play games, <laughs> so I can be a recluse yeah. for two weeks. <laughs> but it seems kind of strange yeah. to me that I I live I live in Birmingham, uh, which is about two or three hours drive about three hours drive away from london um and they also mm -hmm. describe it as the venice of england as well because <laughs> we've oh, got really? so many canals <laughs> but no one uses them um and yes yeah, so my flight is into london but i still got to get a train from london to birmingham then to the the small town outside of birmingham and get a taxi somewhere so it's like it's, it's barely self-isolating along the way like, <laughs> it's a bit of a journey yeah
<laughs> you do what you got to do. Um, my um my my wife mm-hmm. is um from Buckinghamshire. Ooh, fancy. Yeah, not like, oh, like the the like non fancy part of Buckinghamshire. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but yeah, the whole area is just so beautiful. Going um to that sort of area, um, I've been over twice now. Haven't gone as far as as Birmingham, but uh, it's kind of in the same direction, isn't it? Yeah, d- d- don't bother, don't bother going past Buckinghamshire. <laughs> it's, it's pretty scummy, Birmingham. It's uh, kind of gross. I don't like it. Um, genuinely, you're not missing out on much. Just kind of stay to London if you want to get a feel for somewhere else. Skip the middle sure. and then go to like Manchester, Liverpool, Sheffield in the north, <laughs> York. Yeah, last, last time we were here, we went to Manchester and uh, we were, when we were talking to everyone, they're like, what are you doing while you're over here? And I wanted to go to Manchester because I think just because it's had such a, a big music scene mm. and, you know, it's kind of famous because it's got a football team and that sort of stuff. So when you think of like, English cities, you kind of think of London, you think of Manchester and Liverpool yeah. and stuff. And I was like, let's go to Manchester. Um, and Caitlin's like, all right, let's just go to Manchester. Um, and then whenever we would tell our friends or her friends what what we were, were doing when we were over in England, we're like, oh, we're going to go to Manchester. And they're all like, why? <laughs> <laughs> well, what did you think of it in the end when you went? Um, it was it was interesting. Um I don't think we were in the nicest part of Manchester, so there was like a, a little bit of like uncomfortability when we when we first got there, and we mm-hmm. were like, we don't know how safe this is. Um, but that might have been just more me. Maybe maybe Caitlin was feeling a, a bit better about it, um, kind of being English. Um, <laughs> but it was it was lovely. Um, we stayed in this really nice Airbnb and we went to the library there, which was beautiful. And we just kind of walked around and we were only there for a short time, but mm. it was a nice little getaway. Yeah, it's, it's a, quite a, a pretty city. Um, in terms of the safety, it's, it is a safe place. Uh, I think it's more kind of the, the Northern English vibe. <laughs> it's a bit more yeah. rough and tumble, working class, cheap pints, muddy boots, walking dogs kind of, kind of thing. Um, it was. Um, and this was also like... Uh, maybe a month or two after the bombing at the Ariana Grande concert. Oh, yes, yes. Um, so everything was still very much in this weird sort of, I know, it was this weird sort of vibe of like mourning, but also like celebrating Manchester mm-hmm. um, and just a bit of confusion, I guess. So, Yeah, exactly. Um, and how did you end up meeting your wife as she's from uh, Buckinghamshire and... Uh... You're all the way from uh, Australia. What was the story there? Uh, so her mother is Australian. Ah, okay. Um, and then her mother moved over to the UK and met her father. Um, and then uh, when she went to uni, uh, she came back to Australia because she wanted to go to the uni that I went to. Um, and that's how we met. And which university was that? Uh, Griffith University on the Gold Coast. Okay, so you met in the Gold Coast. Mm. Um, Okay. Yeah, Yeah, because her mother's from this area originally. So when she moved back, um, then we went to this, like she she came here to like, she wanted to go to this university in particular um, because it's from the area that her mum was from and stuff. Oh, that's quite sweet. That's very nice. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And uh, I'd like to ask you about your musical background. Uh, Your YouTube channel um, focuses very heavily on music, particularly uh, video games. Um, as it stands, you have 
just under 73,000 subscribers uh, and you're around 2.8 million views. Um, What's your background with music and is it your profession? No, (laughs) it's not my profession. Um, I'm not, I can't can't play any instruments. I've never like written music. I've never done any of that. Um, I'm just a fan. Um, I guess I did, I did a year of trombone in, in primary school, <laughs> but that, that's like the extent of my, my musical knowledge. It gave me like a very basic sort of working understanding of music theory and, and how to read music and stuff, but that's really about it. Um, my, my history with music is just like as a fan, um, it's just something that always has always kind of spoke to me, um, And I guess when I was like, I remember as early as like, you know, seven or something, having favorite songs and and it meaning something to me. Mm -hmm. Um, I remember with video game music in particular, it was when I discovered Final Fantasy VIII, which is my favorite game. And for some reason, that music just kind of spoke to me in a way that uh, nothing else had before. And and, uh, I would use... uh, questionably legal means to to download like songs from that game <laughs> um limewire fam where you at and um <laughs> and actually no that was before limewire this was kazar um, kazar wow okay so that's going back a bit it is going back yeah um so yeah and then it was probably i i know i've had like certain sort of points in my life where music all of a sudden meant something a lot more to me and those were kind of like age 10 with final fantasy 8 and then like you know 15 16 with i i kind of found myself in like at high school i was part of like the christian clique i was going mm-hmm. through my christian phase um so i was like into all the christian rock bands like reliant k and amberlin and that sort of stuff um and then like when i was like 18 i got really 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 into the killers um, yeah, and they were just like the best thing in the world. Uh, and I was obsessed. And then I like, from there, I kind of made my way into like indie and alternative music. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I genuinely expected when I had to ask that question, you're going to be like, oh yeah, at the age of seven, I was playing violin and the trombone and, uh, I studied musical theater or something. <laughs> I did not expect that you played trombone for a little bit <laughs> in secondary I- school. I only played trombone because um, uh, I I hated the class I was in in grade seven, mm-hmm. um, and I didn't have any friends. And the one guy I was kind of friends with the last year was in this class, but we had a falling out. And um, one of my other friends was in the music class. And just one day, the teacher walks in, being like, "We've got space in the music class. Does anybody want to swap classes?" And I'm like, "Yep, me." <laughs> um, they're like, "You're gonna have to learn an instrument." I'm like, "All right." <laughs> And who knew but, um, that no, uh, I, 15 years later you'd be starting a YouTube channel? <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, I'm a, I'm a complete fraud. <laughs> uh, that's incredible. I absolutely love that. Like, well, you fooled me. I'll give you that. <laughs> <laughs> um, looking back, you started your channel in 2017, March 5th of 2017. What made you decide to start that channel to begin with, um, with that very first video that you made? So... I have a long history with YouTube. It goes well before Gamescore Fanfare. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I started YouTube when I was in high school. Um, I think I, I started in 2007, I think. Um, so like early days of YouTube, I started a video blog. Um, and in high school, I was kind of known as that guy who did YouTube videos and I was <laughs> like ridiculed for it. I was bullied for it. And mm-hmm. it just like was not a cool thing to do, which like had I done it 10 years later, I would have been the coolest kid. Oh yeah. There. Um, but at the time it was kind of just, it was not a cool thing to do. It was, uh, yeah, not great. So, but I did it cause I really loved it. And I started to like, uh, become part of the community. Um, like the Australian YouTube vloggers community was, was very small and tight knit at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, um, I went down to like a couple of gatherings as we called them, um, so down in Melbourne and stuff. And I met some, met some friends and just kind of, um, met some overseas friends as well who were part of that community, some creators. And I kind of, I never knew what to do with it because I was, I was just talking about myself and I hated talking about myself and vlogging. So I'd make a video maybe once every six months or something. And I kind of just dropped it over university. Mm-hmm. Um, but then once I com- finally completed my, my university degree with a great deal of difficulty, um, I got a, a full-time job working in a school. Um, and this is, it was a science degree. Um, and same as me. Uh, yeah. Nice. And, um, what, what science did you do? Physics. Well, uh, bachelor's in physics and I did a postgraduate diploma in education. So, uh, oh, nice. physics teacher. But, uh, after I got that, I left promptly. <laughs> I <was> like, okay. <laughs> well, this is, a, yeah, a similar sort of story for me. Um, I, uh, yeah, did like human anatomy and stuff. I wanted to be a doctor originally. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, um, I realized I was terrible at it and I didn't, I mean, I do, I do find it interesting. Um, I find like the microbiology diseases, like infectious diseases stuff, particularly interesting. But um, I, I worked in a school just like setting up the science experiments and stuff for a bit. Um, but after a couple of years, I was like, this is not me and there's no progression for me in this area, I feel. Uh, and I just feel so like creatively unfulfilled. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like so empty. And I was always a bit of a creative kid, but I never kind of realized that, you know, I, I never realized it. Um, so I just needed to, um, yeah, do something a little bit creative, more, more creatively fulfilling. So I started this other channel that I was talking about um, games and that kind of drew me into the world of like the video game analysis sort of crowd. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I just kind of discovered Mark Brown and went from there. Yes. Yeah. And, um, but I was also doing, um, some music related videos on that channel. I was doing like, um, album reaction videos with a friend. So we just like listen to an album and, and talk about it. Yeah. Um, and all the while I was planning to leave my job and just give YouTube a try. I was trying to figure out where I wanted to go with my career and there wasn't a lot of options for me. And I was like, I, I had the, all these hobbies of like, YouTube and video games and music. And I was like, I just have too many hobbies and I don't have enough time to do all my hobbies and work mm-hmm. full time. So how can I turn one of these hobbies in potentially into a job? And I was like, well, YouTube is like going to be the best bet. Like online video is rocketing. It's going to be 
you know, in the next 10 years, you know, 80% or whatever of the internet is going to be like online video. Mm-hmm. And this is happening in the middle of like pivot to video and everything. So I'm like, yeah, this is definitely somewhere that I could try and make a living at least. And uh, so I left my job um, and I said I'd give myself a year. And I made Gamescore fanfare because I wanted to make something that was, well, something that I wanted to watch myself, ultimately. Um, there was no video essays out there, really, about game music. Um, and there was, uh, there was like, 8-bit music theory, but he very much involved with music theory and very deep. Um, and that's something that I don't understand. Like, I, I have no training in music theory apart from one year of trombone in grade seven. <laughs> um, like, I love oh his videos, God. but, um, like, they can be very difficult to kind of get the most of when you don't know that. And I think there's a lot... There, I know, I fall into this trap a lot, but there is this kind of... this thinking or this idea that the only thing worth discussing about music is theory. Yeah. And I just... I, as much as I do fall into that trap a lot, I don't believe that's true. Um, I believe that there's a lot more that can be taken out of, um, you know, the cultural aspects of it and um, the emotion. I think emotion is really important in music. And um, this is all tied to music theory, but it's it can exist outside of it as well. Like you don't need to understand music theory in order to be emotionally impacted by a song. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and also there's also the the idea of game music just being like having all this interactivity and links with the story and all that kind of stuff as well like kind of being like film scores in that way um, so I was like there's heaps to talk about here and it's a nice sort of like blending of, of my hobbies of, of games and music so that's how the channel started wow it's really cool do any of those old videos exist from the vlogging days are they hidden in the depths of oh, YouTube yeah. are they gone forever oh, you still got them mm. No, they're still up. Um, if you know, like, my usernames around the place, you can you can find them. Okay. <laughs> I didn't do enough digging before this interview, apparently. Oh my God. I no, apparently it. not. <laughs> <laughs> they're very embarrassing. But um, it's something that I've seen a couple of other people say in that we all start somewhere. And, you know, if you looked at the first video on GameScore Fanfare, um, like, it's not great, but... It's def- it definitely could be worse. Like I, it, it's obvious that I sort of have an understanding of, of editing and a very basic understanding on that first video. A lot of people don't. Um, and that, I only had that because I had been making YouTube videos for years and years and years before. Um, and so like whenever you go to someone's old videos, usually they won't be that great. And I think that's really important to do because... Uh, or to have up there because it shows that like anybody can start this anybody can just make these videos you get better over time mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so i think it's important to keep them up and with the editing that you have done um if i recall correctly in one of your videos you mentioned you were looking for a job in video editing um is that still something you're looking into uh, or is there a different path you're trying to go down at this stage that would be nice. Um, I've never actually done any sort of like freelance work in editing. Um, so that didn't happen. Uh, but if I could, cause I'm currently working like part-time retail, 
Um, it's got to be tough job. right now. Well, we were kind of declared essential in a weird way. Um, so um, actually, all the I'm casual, so all the full timers took time off, and I just got their hours. So actually, I'm doing okay. Oh, that's pretty good. So is it like a food yeah. industry or something, or clothing, maybe something? Oh, it's like an electronics retailer. Um, oh, essential. So, <laughs> yeah. So like, um, when it all kind of happened. Um, people needed to work from home. Um, and so we sell computers and we sell, um, we sell monitors, which people needed and we sell webcams, which people needed and microphones. And, um, but also like I work in the DVD and CDs departments, (laughs) 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 um, but also like just on the front counter as well. So, um, but it's good to have that sort of casual job at the moment. Um, and actually make money. So I'm part-time well, casual there. And, um, I do, like online video stuff part-time, like just basically whatever I make from Patreon um, for GameScore Fanfare. And um, so, yeah, I've never done any sort of like editing work outside of that. Um, But if I could do online video full-time, I mean, that would be a dream. Yes. Yeah, that'd be perfect, wouldn't it? Um, Looking at your videos, uh, could you run us through your creative process from when you get the idea for a video to the final product, do you kind of think, I'd like to make a video on this, you put all your attention to it, you'll play it through five times, capture the video the sixth time? Uh, kind of what's your steps in going from idea to creation? Yeah, it's um, not a well-oiled machine, I can tell you that, <laughs> um, no. which is why I'm so <laughs> I'm, I'm not very uh, consistent. Uh, but like, I, I really started as I kind of said, Game School Fanfare, to kind of learn how to do edit everything. I wanted to learn how to write better. I wanted to learn how to edit videos in a proper sort of way. Um, so it all starts with an idea and just something that I am passionate about. If there's no sort of passion behind it, then like I can't really bring myself to do it, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, so once that like something stirs in me, I um, will try, or I'll I'll do my research. Um, Sometimes it'll be more, uh, you know, the history behind it and um, stuff, which is, you know, my current video, I'm working on a video about Streets of Rage, and a lot of that is based on, uh, you know, the history of of EDM and in particular house music Mm. um, and kind of uh, the history of FM synth, um, which was you know, really big in the eighties, um, and like keyboard synthesizers. Um, and like, that's all really important. So going into that history, but other times it'll be like very analysis driven, um, where it's my own sort of thoughts. Um, but that's all in the same sort of field of research, um, is kind of deciding the angle of the video. Um, and then I write, um, and that takes a long time because I am a perfectionist when it comes to this. And Mm. I have this warped idea that everything I do is a reflection of like my abilities and my personality and who I am. Um, So it takes me forever to write Um, probably a couple of weeks, depending on the, on the script. Um, This is while I'm working like uh, casually as well. So, yeah. Um, And, uh, then I edit, which again takes another couple of weeks because I always want to try and push myself and learn something new and and uh, try and get better, like creating this sort of uh, design 
I guess. Um, so like if I'm, yeah, basically I'm kind of like, if I'm not doing something new or, or learning something or pushing myself in some sort of way, then what's the point? Because I'm doing this to learn and to get better. Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of my process, I guess. Awesome. And do you ever work on multiple things at once or are you honed in on one topic that you'll see from start to finish? I'd like to be able to work on multiple things at once. Um, and I always have like multiple ideas going at once, but I can really only focus my energy on one project at a time. Um, so, but like I'll have ideas and I'll write them down and I'll be like, oh, let's flesh this out a little bit more and I'll, I'll flesh it out. And that might be unrelated to something else, but um, I will only be able to kind of like, yeah, focus my attention squarely on on one project at a time um yeah gotcha and with your channel focusing so much on the music of games do you find you're often hit by copyright infringements and is there a way to kind of get around this because looking at other content creators on twitter on youtube example um a lot of the times i'll see them posting about you know this has been taken down by a copyright claim because of the music is that something that you've managed to get around somehow yeah, content ID um, on YouTube is a problem. And copyright, I mean, copyright in general is a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, everything that I do, ob- everything, well, I can't speak for every single person out there, but like in the, the analysis crowd and stuff and the video essay crowd, like everything we do is, is comes under fair use um, and that gets abused. The, the content ID system gets abused by the big companies, especially like the, the record labels and stuff. Yeah. I have never had any problems with it. Not when I'm doing game music stuff. Um, I I don't know if that's because it's just a little bit uh, like that they're a bit more lax on them, that the record labels aren't as um, strict about it. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that's just because um, having that sort of understanding of, of what constitutes fair use um, and I'm just... I just make sure that I do, I am covered by fair use and I only use, oh, sorry, Discord's being weird, um, that I only use, um, you know, 10 seconds or 12 seconds or something of, of music and I comment on it and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, like, earlier this year, I started making some videos on just regular music, like albums and stuff, um, and I did the exact same sort of process and Every one of them has been hit by copyright claims. Oh, God. Um, none of them have been taken down. Um, one of them is still, like, it's not eligible to be monetized, but I, um, the other two are now that I contested them. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so I think it's just game music is a, is a bit more lax, and I've been really lucky that I haven't had to deal with a lot of that sort of stuff. Mm, yeah, that's pretty good, because I kind of imagine that the automatic YouTube bots or something would be able to pick out, you know, 10 seconds of unedited and, you know, just music from a game and they would have just struck that straight away. But it's interesting to hear how the game music doesn't really have, isn't as affected as much as album music. Yeah. um, Yeah. I can do 12, 15 seconds, have no problems with game music. I can do about four seconds and get copyright claimed with a, with album stuff like regular music ariana grande yeah exactly um yeah ariana grande and the the tame impala one uh 
they went bad. But like the the other one I made on on Sufjan Stevens and Julian Baker, I have this like section at the end where I just let one song play while I talk over it at the very end. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's Julian Baker and she's covering this hymn called In Christ Alone, like this modern hymn. Um, but uh, that that got copyright claimed and it's like a minute because I just let it play under my audio, uh, under my narration. And I'm like, oh, that's fair. I can't, <laughs> yeah. I can't really take that. I'm not commenting on it. I'm, I'm just using it as, as background music. So I just kind of let that one slide. That's fine. I understand that that might not be fair use. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You got me on that one, guys. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, speaking of uh, the, the videos you made um, for uh, Stevens and Julian Baker, um, I'd like to ask, uh, are you a very spiritual person? Uh, it seems to me, you know, you talked earlier about being part of the, the Christian group at school and you've done videos about uh, Christian music and you mentioned it a few times on your Twitter as, uh, Twitter as well. How important is spirituality to you in your day-to-day life? Yeah, um, it is really important. Um, so uh, I kind of found myself involved um, with the church, the Christian church um, in high school. I kind of started going to this youth group and, um, like my family are, are not religious, um, but I kind of got caught up in that um, mm-hmm. and kind of discovered it. And it kind of just, it made sense to me. Um, not not only like this spiritual sort of aspect of it, but um, just this sort of um, philosophy and lifestyle that Jesus kind of preached of, you know, uh, making peace and... Um, his radical sort of like um, almost like anti-authoritarian sort of stance that he had. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, the the way he kind of like took everything and, and turned it upside down and was like, no, love your enemies and, and this sort of stuff. Um, it really spoke to me in his sort of pacifism and um, peacekeeping. So um, yeah, that was something that I, I was really important to me in, my like teenage years um and then i i worked for the church for a year um in like doing youth group stuff and i, I did a, a sort of short course in in youth work mm-hmm. um but ultimately I, I realized i don't want to work in the church it's very political um and you know i, I feel like it's a very personal sort of thing it's like spirit spirituality and stuff like my my faith is very personal mm-hmm. um and so, like, over the years, it's I've definitely, like, um, become more comfortable with my faith, for better or worse. Um, and it's it's definitely something that's, like, really important to me. It's just, like, not something that... It used to define my identity, you know, which is, you know, what a good Christian is meant to be. Um, but I, I, I definitely feel like um, recently, like, I've, like, since coming to Sydney, like, I've struggled to find a church that really, like, speaks to me. Um, or like that I fit into. Um, and, um, I kind of like my ideas of, of God have gotten a bit like, uh, a bit, I don't know how to describe it, but the more traditional sort of churches wouldn't be very happy with my sort of ideas of God. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, in that it's just like, you know, I think we, we legitimately worship the, the kind of like notion of love. 
um, as Christians. Um, like they, we say God is love. And it's like, well, that's pretty obvious that we just like love is our God. Um, and uh, I, I do believe in like a, you know, a, a legitimate God who created the universe and stuff. Um, but uh, yeah, I think uh, it's, it's hard to explain. Sorry, I'm, I'm being very all over Oh, God knows, but... it's a pretty big topic <laughs> to, to, to throw into a, a morning podcast. I've, yeah, I um, know, yeah. So so, um, I've, so... I, I've just become a lot more comfortable with my faith, um, and uh, it's still very important to me, yeah. So, so, so the way that I kind of understood that is, have, have you found from your recent life experiences that your idea of faith has molded to your new outlook on life in some regards, that uh, what you could have seen as more solid rules as when you're in your teenage years are a bit more flexible in you in the way you perceive them now as you're older yeah definitely and i think uh a, lo- a lot of people kind of think that is just uh comes it comes across as being like oh you're just like fitting your religion into your idea um mm. of what you want it to be um but it's kind of like the opposite thing for me where um i like I came to Christianity and I was like, oh, this is me. Like, this just makes so much sense for me. Like, I don't feel like I changed too much when I, mm-hmm. when I became a Christian. Like I, I, I feel like um, I was already kind of that person and I was like, oh, I found my people. Oh, I found like, I think that's part of the reason why it resonated with me so much is because what they were saying this this is you know the image of god this is who god is i was like oh that makes so much sense to me um and so over time like maybe my perception has sort of changed but it it still comes from this sort of like this core understanding of who i believe god is um that is informed by the bible obviously um and and that's a, a a god of love and like acceptance and understanding, um, and so like a lot of people might be like a lot of Christians are very upset about about you know uh, like LGBT issues and and that mm-hmm. sort of stuff. But like you know I I don't believe that uh, the Bible uh, or I don't believe that Jesus uh was uh homophobic <laughs> i don't think he no. actually ever ever mentioned homosexuality at all as an issue for him um it was all paul and um and like early old testament stuff um and like you know a lot of christians have issues with like you know trans identity stuff but i'm like god was trans like you know, God created humans in his image, male and female. He created us like, yeah, God, yeah. God is genderless. Like God is, um, he's gender like, fluid. God is gender fluid, like legitimately. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, I just think that like my perception, yeah, maybe has changed a little bit since I was back then. Cause back then I wasn't sure about like my stance on LGBT issues and that sort of stuff. But my yeah. understanding of God has informed that and and made me go, no, like these are human beings who have been made by God um, and like nothing uh, that we can do or be um, can separate us from the love of God. And how have you found 
your religion to be accepted in the YouTube community because my idea of kind of online as a encompassing word uh maybe taking the idea from reddit i suppose is this kind of a hive mind mentality and mm. a lot of people on the internet um would identify as maybe atheist or agnostic have you found that being christian and being an you know a prominent figure online on youtube um has come under fire in any way or you've had negative experiences from being a christian uh no not at all um and that has been because I, I'm, I'm not like terribly outspoken as a Christian. Um, I make mm. it very, I, I, like I don't shy away from it or anything, you know, I'll make videos talking about my faith and that sort of stuff. And on Twitter, I, I talk about it a little bit, um, but I don't think it's widely known. Um, it's not like my immediate, like, I don't think that when people think of me, they think I'm a Christian. Um, and like, to an extent, like, I don't think of that myself either. Mm. Like, I think... My identity is in lots of places. Um, but like all the people who do know um, and have found out, like I've never had anybody be antagonistic about it at all. No. Yeah, that's good. And um, in your videos uh, regarding uh, Christian music, uh, your crisis of faith video, you discuss how the artists express their faith through your music themselves. Um, if you don't mind me asking, have you ever had any crises of faith uh, yourself um, uh, my instinct is when you just talked there is, is no because you came to Christianity yourself as a teenager rather than being brought up as a Christian but have you ever had any big crisis of faith moments no I, we all everybody does um, hmm. coincidentally the name of a Julian Baker song that I talked about in that video <laughs> um, but uh, no like I, th I think in order to really fully understand and, and want to grow deeper in your relationship with God, you have to question it, um, which is the kind of the whole kind of point of that video was that like, just because they had doubts and like insecurities around God doesn't make them bad Christians. Um, like it just comes from a desire of, of wanting to know God better essentially. Um, so like, yeah, of, of course, like I've definitely gone through that. There, there have been many times where I'm like, am I even a Christian anymore? Like, is this what I believe? Um, but, uh, yeah, you, you kind of just most of the time just come through it. I've, I've come through it because yeah, it just kind of, as I said, speaks to me on this, on this really personal sort of level, um, mm -hmm. that just makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. Um, going back to your video production and the, the game music, um, one year later after making your video about the memorability of video game music, um, do you think games are becoming less memorable still or have recent games in the past year kind of elevated music in video games to be more memorable like they were in the past, even though, you know, may have been due to limitations of hardware? Mm. Well, I think the the point that I was kind of making in that video was that I don't think games have, beco have become any less memorable. I think mm -hmm. we just remember them for different reasons. Uh, it was like game music. Um, I just think, I think we remember it for different reasons. Um, so, you know, nowadays it's a lot more about the emotion behind it. Um, and, uh, but I did obviously discuss ways that like, 
the early tunes were such earwormy and yeah and yeah definitely. that sort of thing but you know year in the grand scheme of things isn't a long time um and to be honest i haven't kept up to date that much with like game music that's come out in the past year mm-hmm. um I, the one that i can think of that i've been listening to a, a lot is um the streets of rage 4 soundtrack which is incredible um and mm like very memorable for like all these various reasons um part of which is because like it takes like Yuzo Koshiro the original composer for Streets of Rage worked on a couple of key tracks there um and it gets a bunch of the old um like old video game composers to do all the boss tracks um so you get like Yoko Shimomura doing a track and and uh some others that are escaping me at the moment some of the classics but um then you've also got like these really cool tracks from like uh it's kind of headed up by Olivia de Riviere who he worked on um what has he worked on like Remember Me and Alone in the Dark um he's like one of the most mm. exciting uh like video game music composers out there at the moment um in my yeah. opinion and um he like there's some really interesting tracks that are very inspired by like you know Aphex Twin and uh Justice that um are actually like really memorable there's this one track called Call the Cops which uh like creates this whole beat around like police sirens and stuff and I'm like this is really oh, cool. cool like yeah. um and I constantly think of that one so you know I don't I don't think that it's gotten any less memorable to be honest I think we just remember it for different reasons Mm-hmm. And how do you think music is going to evolve with this coming generation we have with PlayStation 5, Xbox One, Series X, I think if I got that right? Um, there's lots of talks about, you know, these brand new sound chips and all this hardware improvements. Uh, do you think it's going to make a big difference to how music is going to be produced and the types of music we're going to be seeing in the next generation? Yeah, I haven't done too much sort of research into that um about like what the next generation is going to bring in terms of audio um but i i in the little bits of like that i've heard from composer interviews and that sort of stuff i mean uh you know dynamic interactive music is only going to grow um so like music that reacts to the gameplay and um that's only going to become bigger and bigger um, as like the consoles become more powerful and uh, have the ability to kind of do that. And as um, composers get more ambitious with it. Um, I remember an interview with disaster piece um, who, who did the soundtrack for like hyperlight drifter and stuff. Um, and Fez, hmm. he, um, he said that like the next big sort of arena is like three um, D music, and this has implications in like virtual reality and stuff. But it's hmm. more like um, giving, like making the the world like this sort of inhabitable space, um, and having the music. You know, it's, it's a bit more than just like music fading in and out when you get closer to something or. Or yeah. something like that's very basic sort of idea of it but um there's a lot more that kind of can be done with it i know like in i think it's the the, the most recent last of us game um like they have or oh, it was even like even final fantasy maybe it was final fantasy i'm thinking of final fantasy 7 remake 
um, where like, you know, walls and stuff will um, like impact the flow of sound um, Mm -hmm. and that sort of stuff. So that takes a lot of processing to kind of like work out. Um, So um, there's a lot to be done um, and there's a a lot of exciting things in the works. I'm not terribly familiar with any of it, to be honest. No, No, it might be just a a marketing thing, to be honest, uh, what they're doing, you know, this new amazing sound chip kind of thing. Um, what did they call that chip on the PlayStation 2? Um, the, the the reality chip or something? Something They had like this strange name for the chip in the PlayStation 2 that, <laughs> to control AI. Uh, it might be one of those uh, similar ideas. Um, with your Celeste video, uh, you made your Celeste video about two years ago. It was your most popular one, just under 520,000 views. Um, and in it, you described that you were looking for more ways to deal with your anxiety. Um, since then, how have you been tackling your anxiety? And is it still uh, something that you have to manage uh, during your life? Yeah. Um, so that was a really tough sort of period in my life. Um, so as I mentioned earlier, uh, I kind of was like, I'm going to leave my job. I'm going to give myself a year, do like YouTube stuff. And you'll notice that that's about like just after about a year, um, Hmm. that into the channel. So that was a time which I was like, is this successful? Is it not successful? Do I continue this? Do I see what happens on it? Or do I just go back to kind of what I always do, what I was doing before and keep this as a hobby. Problem was, I was experiencing probably the biggest growth of my channel around that time. Um, mm-hmm. on, off the back of the Breath of the Wild video and the Undertale video started doing well and the Underwater video started doing well. and So I was like, I don't know what to do right now. Um, at that same time, there was this... Uh, uh, so one of, one of the kind of groups that uh, encouraged me to kind of uh, take online video seriously um, and like video game analysis seriously. We have this show in in Australia called uh, Good Game. Um, It's part of the, it's a TV show on uh, like our national broadcaster on the ABC, which is like the equivalent of the BBC or the CBC. Yep. Um, and it was this show like dedicated to video game reviews and it was incredible. Like they really took it seriously. Um, the sort of reviews you get were, I would say better than anything you'd get off like ING or GameSpot, or, like, you know, on par with them. Yeah. Um, and it was paid for by the government and taxpayer dollars. It was incredible. <laughs> um, but they started this online show called um, Pocket, Good Game Pocket. And um, it was a daily online show, just news and gameplay sort of stuff. Um, and this incredible community formed around it. Um, and that got cancelled. Um, like the ABC gets all these cuts and um, two of the guys, one of the one of the reviewers on the main show and the main guy from Pocket, um, they decided to kind of leave and, and do their own show on this other network television station. Um, and in response, they just canned the whole show. Um, instead of getting new hosts and stuff, they just canned it, mm-hmm. um, which is the dumbest thing that like dumbest move that they've ever made. So, um, with this new show starting up, they, um, 
went for first season and went all right. And then second season, they were hiring an editor. And it was around like the beginning of 2018. And I'm like, I'm part of this community. I um, know how to edit videos now. I've, I've got a sort of a bunch of stuff under my belt to, to show. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to apply. And I, I got through to like interview rounds and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but like, I didn't get the job and, you know, I'd applied for uh, lots of jobs in that sort of area before, but, and never got them. But like this one kind of just broke me in a weird sort of way. And I was like, what do I do now? Like, that was like my one sort of like opportunity, my best opportunity to get into the, um, get this in, into the field, um, and into that career. And I've missed it. Um, and I don't know what to do now. And that's a time when my anxiety really flared up. Um, and I kind of recognized for the first time that I had problems with anxiety. Um, and because my anxiety doesn't, like, I don't get panic attacks all that often. And that was kind of my my idea and understanding of what anxiety looks like. Um, but I kind of just, I shut down. I, I stop working. I I can't bring myself to do anything. I just like stay in bed all day. Um, and the doctor was like, that sounds like depression to me. And I'm like, yeah, maybe it is, but also like, it's very entwined with anxiety. Um, so, uh, yeah. So that was the, the period of my life that I kind of experienced that the worst, I would say, um, which is great. Like, that I haven't had it any worse than what that was. Cause that was fairly fine. Um, but mm-hmm. uh, that taught me a lot in that time of like, I think just like recognizing it as part of it and, um, um, and just, yeah, learning how to deal with that and, and recognize it when it comes up um, and, and work through it. Um, because sometimes you just have to sit with it. Other times you just got to kind of make yourself do it. Um, so, in recent years, things have been much better, definitely better than that period of my life. Um, mm-hmm. There is definitely still a lot of anxiety around, especially as I I, I do uh, want to kind of do online video stuff full time. Um, um, and I'm very like upfront about that. I've always been very upfront that I'm, I want to do this as a career. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. But yeah. Um, yeah, it, so there is still a lot of anxiety that goes around that, and that definitely does impact my my workflow a lot of like some days. Um, but I'm getting better at handling it. Oh, good. Um, and when you sit down to to play a game, say for fun, say you're not playing Streets of Rage Four, you're not making a video, you just you just want to play a game. Do you find it hard to disconnect and just sit there and play the game without, say, looking into the music in such depth and thinking, oh, I can make a video on this, I should take some notes? Uh, Do you find it hard to just kind of play a game now you have this YouTube channel? Yeah, it's very hard. Um, I'm sure everyone says that it is very hard because it is very hard to disconnect yourself because that's kind of just the way you think about games. And it's not necessarily a bad thing, to be honest, um, because Mm -hmm. that's what I enjoy. I That's what I really enjoy about games It's I potentially like talking about games more than I enjoy playing games, I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's kind of like that's where my enjoyment comes from. So it's actually okay. But I do very much um, try to disconnect myself 
for things that I know I'll enjoy. So when I was playing Final Fantasy VII Remake, that was so important to me, that game. And yeah. I was playing it for enjoyment. Like I was enjoying it for play, uh, yeah, playing it for enjoyment. Um, and so I was like, I know I'm going to make a video about this. I 100% will. I have to, um, because I want to talk about it, but I'm not thinking about it for the first playthrough. I'm just like, things will come to me and I'll write down notes and stuff, but like, I'm not, I'm not recording my footage. And that's a big thing. Like, for me, if I don't record the footage, then it kind of enables me to to um, just enjoy it a little bit more. Um, so I didn't record my footage, and I, I made sure just to enjoy the game for every aspect of it, not just its music. Um, but I just happened to notice music things, obviously, a lot, because um, that's just who I am. Uh, so I'll, I'll write little notes and that sort of stuff, and then come back to it, and after I'm finished, be like, okay, Let's let's work on this video. Yeah, it's, it must be pretty difficult. Just maybe you could play a game without the audio and <laughs> just watch. It. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I was um I was watching a, a Twitch stream a few weeks back, uh, and there was this blind person playing. I think they played all, through all the way of, of left, uh, Last of Us Two, like a hundred percent blind. <laughs> My brain could not fathom how somebody could do that. Like I don't know how they set up a Twitch stream to start with. <laughs> That's but, incredible. Good on them. Yeah, <laughs> good for them. Um, looking back at your channel uh, again, um, is there a video that you noticed that things really started to take off for you uh, that you can look back and say, oh, yeah, um, I have the video about, I don't know, underwater music was the one that kind of set things in motion for me. Or was there another a video that you noticed kind of put you to where you are now? Funny you should mention the underwater video because it is, it is one of them. Um, that video was really important for me because um it was the first time that I sort of figured out a a writing style or a writing um process that really worked for me mm -hmm. um and so I kind of I separate the channel into like seasons and so the first season of Game Score Fanfare is like the first five videos um and it's like my pilot season I just I'm I came up with all the ideas at once I, I worked on them all at once and they are all different sort of ideas. So one is about, um, you know, underwater music. It's a more cultural sort of thing. It's looking at many games and, and how they do this one specific thing. Um, but then there's, you know, one about, um, I focused on Grant, Grant Kirkhope. So I focused on a composer for one. I focused on like a, an entire game, so Bravely Default for one. I focused on a, a specific moment, You're Not Alone, in Final Fantasy IX for one. Um, but yeah, it was the uh, the underwater video that I was like, oh, like, I've got this idea, but then I go this, like, level deeper. Um, and that's, like, my, my true sort of story. And, and then I was like, oh, no, 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 there's one more layer. So it took me, like, three, like... Uh, like layers of, of depth um, to like finally make my point that I wanted to make something yeah. unique um, that like people haven't been saying before. And um, so that was really important in that way. Um, the journey video, which came right after it was also really important. Um, I think it's probably still one of the best videos I've made um, uh, because I, again, I legitimately think I brought something 
new and unique to the conversation yeah um surrounding that game and around music um game music and um that kind of set the tone for the whole next season of game score fanfare which was just kind of talking about how um music and story and like gameplay all kind of like intermingle Mm. yes um so that one was really important as well yeah, I think uh, I learned a new phrase from watching your your videos. Uh, lay motif. <laughs> yeah, heard that a lot. That's a, a new word that uh, that I learned from watching your videos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's um yeah, light motif is very interesting. Um, and people people love light motif, man. Like the moment you mentioned light motif, uh, people dig it up. I think it's just um, it's just this kind of easy to understand concepts that you can't unsee. Like once once you once you know about it. And once you once you hear yeah. it, you kind of can't unhear it. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. And so I think I think people really like they eat it up, like my team stuff. Um, <laughs> oh, when people say, uh, "Oh, uh, ludo narrative dissonance," it's like, "Ooh, <laughs> it's <laughs> exactly. kind of the same vein, isn't it?" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> oh, that's great. Um, looking at your, your videos again, uh, is there ever, ever a video that you hoped would take off more than it did uh, compared to say some of the others? So you thought, okay, um, there's a point here that I really strongly wanted to get across and I feel like I did but maybe the views didn't quite reflect what you thought it would I would say I'm just sorry I'm just going to my channel to like have a look oh yeah no problem um, of what videos I've actually made look everything that I've made like this year I thought would do better than it has Mm -hmm. um I think I I mean I'm very inconsistent with uploading and I think that impacts um, the kind of favor that the channel sees with the YouTube algorithm. Yeah. Um, And I think also I might've made a mistake in making those album videos because I'm kind of splitting my audience and then, you know, half my audience isn't watching and then YouTube algorithm is like, Oh, people aren't interested in this channel anymore. Mm -hmm. So I have noticed that basically everything I've done this year hasn't um, reached the views that things used to, Um, even though I feel like the topics are bigger, are um, more relevant to people, are more interesting to people. Um, And I basically, basically everything this year I thought would do better, but has not. And uh that's okay like i'm not i'm not doing it for views um Mm -hmm. i try and convince myself (laughs) Um, (laughs) like and there are people out there who are really enjoying it and um like that core audience is still there and that's really great um but i i like to think that even if they were making zero views i'd still be making them because like i just want to talk about these things and i just want to learn I just want to like learn how to write better, how to edit better. Um, I just want to make something. Um, so yeah. while I'm, I'm not like terribly concerned with it. There's also like, if I was getting more views, then like I could be doing this full time and like improving myself even better. Um, and that's really the only sort of like, uh, like the thing that gets me down about it is that I just want to do it more, you know? Yeah, yeah, I completely understand. And you need but... you need views to do it. You do, 
uh, the unfortunate reality in some regards, isn't it? But yeah, I've loved every video you've made. I've watched all of them uh, in preparation for this, and they've been absolutely lovely. Um, uh, you know, I'm not religious myself, but I very much enjoyed uh, the Crisis of Faith video because, um, in my mind, thinking about Christian music, <laughs> uh, you know, you think of people with an acoustic guitar singing "Jesus loves me," that kind of stuff. Mm. But it's really interesting to see the other side of it, where the the, the subtleties of Christian music. I found that very interesting. Um, along with uh, some of the other ones I was a particular fan of was the Journey one that you mentioned as well. Mm-hmm. Um, reminded me of my experience with that game because I played it uh, many, many years ago and a lot of things ran true for that um, as well. Uh, I do Thank have... You. A, Thank you. No problem. I do have one last question for you uh, before we mm-hmm. finish up today, if, if you don't mind. Um, looking at your finding peace in... Fisherman's Horizon video. Yeah. The style for that one was uh, rather different uh, compared to the others. Um, do you ever intend to make one in that similar style again? And what was the reasoning behind making a video in that style? You know, we had the camera on you uh, uh, more uh, more often than not. So that video, uh, I I made it because, well, ultimately because I reached a Patreon goal and I said I would. <laughs> <laughs> um, I said I, I said I'd make a video about Final Fantasy VIII, and yeah. I was like, I don't know how I can talk about Final Fantasy VIII. It's the most important thing in the world to me. Um, but that it kind of revealed itself to me as I was going through that sort of anxious period in my life, and I was kind of returning to this this song and this this place um, a lot. And I was like, I can I can rein in that idea and and just talk very specifically about Fisherman's Horizon. And it was going to be a very personal video, obviously. Um, and I think uh, it just felt right to kind of present myself because it was going to be a, a personal and honest video. Yeah. Um, that, you know, I wanted to show my face. Um, and I, I don't have anything against showing my face. I've done it in a couple of videos. I've done it on my Warriors of Light Motif video for Final Fantasy 1 to 3. On um, Twitter page. It's on my Twitter page. Um, yeah. I did it for my um, unraveling uh, the perfect pokey rap video as well. Um, <laughs> so I've I've got, I've got like no qualms about that. It, it comes from my experience doing YouTube vlogs back in the day, which was all like me on camera. Yeah. Um, so I'm I'm perfectly comfortable being in front of the camera, uh, and uh, yeah, it just felt really right. For that video and the, the angle it was taking um, to make it a bit more personal and the fact that I'm talking about myself for so long it's like you got to find footage for that stuff and yeah. I, I'm not someone who just like throws game footage underneath and um, talks just lets it play and, and talks on top of it um, like I need the visuals to reinforce what's happening like audio like with the audio um, and so for that the most obvious thing was to was to speak to the camera, and yeah, I'd love to do more of that in the future. Um, I don't really have a good setup, um, and or anything to to do that. Um, but yeah, I'm certainly not opposed to appearing on camera more. I, I did it a couple of months ago with the unraveling video, so yeah. Awesome, oh, that's that's really cool. Uh, I think we'll we'll have to end it there, um, Matthew. But it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, I've learned so much <laughs> uh, and it's been really, really good. Uh, so I wish you 
all the best and i cannot wait for that streets of rage 4 video to come out um and yeah it's been a really good time yeah thank you so much for having me it was really lovely talking and um i really appreciate like all the sort of effort you went to and, and the research um that you actually uh, do it's it's great um so you're doing good work here oh thank you have a good one no worries thank you very much see ya <laughs>